Ted Zion Kislev Tafshin Ayn Chet. Coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York, I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Soul Farm with Shalom Lach Eretz Nehederet opens things up here on the Israel Show. Welcome one and all to yet another live edition of the Israel Show. Coming to you at uh, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, immediately following Jamie in the a.m., 4 p.m. Israel Time, as we do each and every Monday. Happy to be with you, and we're thankful that you're with us, making us a part of your week. Of course, you can listen to us whenever you want, on demand, via the Nachum Siegel Network app, which you just download from the different app stores, and uh, on the website, NachumSiegel.com. Maybe an hour or two after the show's over, the show is already up on the app and on the website, thanks to Avrumi, and uh, available for you to download, listen to, and enjoy whenever you want. In addition to all that, isn't that enough? No, we don't. We don't just. Um, we, we, we. That's not enough. We don't stop there. Every week, we also post on our Facebook page. Links to all the songs that we played during the show, links to their YouTube videos, and links to different things that we discussed during the shows, whether videos or otherwise. Last week we were a little late. Yesterday we posted a huge post with last week's links. Link to the show where we discussed the significance of uh, Haftet in November, the 1947, November 29 vote at the United Nations, one of the important days in Jewish history, modern Jewish history. We, of course, um, have on that post playlist of the YouTube videos. We also, we discussed during the show the attitudes of um, the Rav, Rav Yosef Dov Halevi Soloveitchik, Rav Cook, um, Rav Huda Cohen Cook, and uh, Zev Jabotinsky toward the... Um, partition plan, pro and con, and we posted a link to the book that was written from the speech that the Rav gave, that Rabbi Soloveitchik gave. The book is called Kol Dodido Fake. You can download the entire book in Hebrew, if you like, or read it online. And we also posted two links. One is to the beginning of the book in English, and you can read it on Safaria. It's amazing. It's just amazing what we have available to us through the uh, technologies of the Internet. We can read the book in Hebrew. We can read the book in English. We can be inspired by the holy words of the Rav. And we also put in a link to take you directly to the English, in the English version, directly to the part of the book and the speech that we discussed and where the Rav discusses the November 29th uh, UN decision. We also posted a link to the text of the speech that we um, shared with you, we shared with you audio of, uh, Zev Jabotinsky's 1937 speech. All of these are current today as much as they were when they were written. And we encourage you to go to facebook.com slash The Israel Show, one word. And even if you don't want to, we'd love it if you like the page. And we, we surpassed 700 last week on our fifth anniversary. And uh, we hope you like the page. But even if you don't, you can still download. It's not, it's not locked in any which way. 
download the different items, listen to the music, listen to the show, do whatever you like. Facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Today we have a um, chock full of everything show. We're going to talk a little bit about the, the 40th anniversary of um, the trip that Anwar Sadat, president of Egypt, made to Israel 40 years ago. And some of the behind-the-scenes information that most people, uh, well, I shouldn't, uh, at that time nobody was aware of it other than the actual participants, head of the Mossad, uh, heads of the Israeli government and uh, Egyptian government. And we'll share some of that background with, with you. In addition, we're going to uh, remember the uh, soldier, Ron Kukia who uh, was stabbed by a terrorist in Israel last week in Arad, not in the quote-unquote occupied territories. No, no. No, no, no. In Arad, he was stabbed and killed by a terrorist. Today, it, it just, the headlines just hit that, he, uh, that the Israelis have arrested two Bedouin, Bedouin Arabs, who uh, they say were um, responsible for his murder. We will also share with you some uh, audio from the funeral. You will hear some of his father and mother speaking um, at the funeral and uh, very, very moving words, of course. All that and lots more, we hope. We have a musical debut coming up also of uh, Yishe Rebo put out a brand new song this week. We also wish him a Mazal Tov. He... Uh, had a baby boy. The Brit was today, and the baby's name is Michael, in case you uh, want to send a gift or anything like that. Um, one more song, and then we start. Yonina, then we start with the, with the uh, topics, I should say. Yonina, off of, um, off of their album. This one is called Adam Shel Chalomot. Adam Shel Chalomot. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you. 
Yonina, Adam Shel Halomot, Man of Dreams. Well, 40 years ago, they thought that uh, Menachem Begin and Anwar Sadat were Men of Dreams. And um, uh, to a great extent, their dream came true. It's, uh, I remember at the time, I was uh, just beginning college, when Sadat arrived in Israel, I remember, I see it in my mind's eye, sitting uh, with my parents in the family living room. It was a Shabbat, so we couldn't see we couldn't see it live in the United States. It was just after Shabbat in Israel. So uh, right after Shabbat was over here in the U.S., we turned on TV, we watched the news, and we like were pinching ourselves. It was, it's hard to imagine today, but for those who who weren't alive at that time or weren't old enough to understand what's happening, this was probably one of the most momentous times in the history. There's so many of them. We're celebrating so many of them now. The Balfour Declaration, the the vote in the UN of uh, Haftet in November, the founding of the State of Israel, the the victory in the Six-Day War... And this was another step, but a very, very large step forward. Not everybody agreed. Many, and I'll say including myself, felt that what ultimately happened as a result, which was that every little last speck of sand of the Sinai was given to the Egyptians, including the destruction of Yishuvim, of towns that were settled by Jews in a small area of the Sinai, that was the insistence of the Egyptians, and Menachem Begin agreed, and people were furious, and they felt that there shouldn't be that kind of agreement, that there should have been a compromise. I also felt that way, but in the hindsight of history, when we look back 40 years later, we see that the peace agreement, even with the murder of Sadat not too long after that, the agreement stood up and now is stronger than ever. So you never know. It also, on the other hand, opened the door to um, to the world expecting Jews to uproot their cities and their towns, their homes and their synagogues to uproot them in order to give away land to Arabs as part of deals. At the time when uh, Anwar Sadat publicly expressed his willingness to come to Israel and speak at the Knesset, people thought it was just rhetoric. It was it was talk. It's talk. Now don't forget, 1977, November. Not long before that, in May, Menachem Begin was elected Prime Minister of Israel, and it was the first time in the history of the State of Israel that a non-left-wing and non- 
Labour Party, Mapai government was in control. People were stunned. That, that in itself was a stunning event. The fact that, I mean, it was crazy that, that, that a democracy, even if it was a socialist democracy at the time, had the same ruling party for its entire existence from 47 to 77, it, it was pretty stunning. And yet Israel kept electing the same people. But after the 1973 war, even though there were elections right after that, it took a while to sink in. After the uh, folly of the Yom Kippur War and, and the tremendous corruption in the, uh, in the left wing that was exposed, after all that, the people finally decided not to give a majority to the Labour Party. And uh, for the first time in history, and, and, and again, it was unthinkable to so many, if you want, there are a lot of differences, but if you want to have an idea of how the left in Israel felt when Menachem Begin was elected, take a look at how the left in America are reacting to the election a year ago of Donald Trump. It's not the same. They're very different people. But from the perspective of the left, they saw in Menachem Begin a warmonger, a crazy man, a terrorist. They hated him. And I'll remind you that Ben-Gurion, who founded the State of Israel, hated Begin so much that in the Knesset, where Begin was a member, of course, when he would want to address Menachem Begin, he would never say his name. Ben-Gurion wouldn't utter the name of Menachem Begin. He would say, the man sitting next to Dr. Bader, who was the Knesset member from Chayrut that sat next to Menachem Begin. I mean, that's how the hatred was. So when he was elected, people were shocked and scared. Time magazine... At the time, you may remember, Time Magazine, should I say almost Allah Shalom? Zichrono Loli Vracha, had on its cover a picture of the face of Menachem Begin surrounded. His face was inside a Magen David, which was made out of Israeli machine guns. He was, of course, the warmonger. Famously, they wrote in Time Magazine, this was also shocking, in order to introduce him to the, the public in America, and, you know, people weren't aware of who he was and so forth, how do you pronounce his name? It looks like Begin, B-E-G-I-N. I mean, that's uh, when you drive in Yerushalayim, you can't understand why it says Begin Ends on some of the, <laughs> on some of the highway signs. Um, so they, they wanted to show people, to explain to people how they pronounce the name, Begin. So they write, they wrote Begin, and then parentheses, rhymes with Fagin. Wow. That's a pretty crazy way of, uh, of putting it. So this is who was just elected in May of 77. So now comes the summer of 1977, but a few months, the summer and the fall, but a few months after his election. And Anwar Sadat, who it seems was planning for a while already, to reach a point where the Arab world and Israel come to some sort of an agreement, understanding. He felt that there was no way that the Arabs could defeat Israel in war. He wanted to have an opportunity to 
give the Arab world back its pride, the pride that it lost in 67 when they were so humiliated by the state of Israel, by Tzahal, by the miracles of, of God. And that happened in 73. It seems from all the documents that we now have that have been all exposed that Egypt and Syria never had a plan to go beyond a certain amount in the Golan and in the Sinai. Their plan wasn't to capture Israel, although we didn't know that at the time. Their plan was to surprise Israel, catch Israel off guard, and um, make progress by taking a certain, uh, a third or whatever it is of the, of the territory, and then to, uh, according to the Egyptian plan, to negotiate. And so here it is. It's four years after the Yom Kippur War, not a lot of time. Sadat wants to start some negotiation. But he doesn't know anything about Menachem Begin. He had a lot of experience. He sent all kinds of messages to Golda Meir, who's the prime minister during the war, to Yitzhak Rabin, and he felt that they weren't strong enough to do what he wanted, which was to make a peace agreement which would include giving the entire Sinai, all of it, to Egypt, returning it to Egypt. I guess they had it before. And um, in September, October, Sadat meets, you know, usual diplomatic ties with Romanian dictator Nicolae Ceausescu, that was his name, and he asks him, do you think that I could talk with Menachem Begin, do you think I can do business with him? Is he a strong leader? Will his word, will he stick by his word? And Ceausescu says yes. And so there begins a secretive, very secret, connection, contact, between Egypt and Israel via, at first, Romania. This is amazing when you think about what was going on. Begin is just elected. He's just savoring the victory, trying to carry out some of the um, policies that he wanted to enact. And before he gets a chance to even be comfortable in the chair, this thing happens. Wow. Well, Begin sent back the message, yeah, I'm ready to talk. And so, the, uh, the president of Egypt, Sadat, sends his deputy, a man by the name of Hassan Tohami, to meet with the head of the Mossad, that's who Israel decided to send, Yitzhak Hofi. And they meet in Morocco. And Hofi uh, comes back to Israel and says, I think they're serious. Don't forget, we, we were so afraid. We had been so hoodwinked by Egypt during this Yom Kippur War in 1973. Maybe this whole thing was some sort of a, a, a plot, uh, some way, some sleight of hand to get Israel's um, attention away from one thing to another thing and attack Israel. Who knows? But Hofi comes back and he says to Begin and to, and to Moshe Dayan and to Ezra Weitzman, foreign minister and defense minister respectively, he says... They're serious. And Hofi says to Tohami, if you're serious, I want you to meet with Moshe Dayan in secret, and I want Dayan to hear what you have to say. 
And so, Moshe Dayan, who was so recognizable around the world, he had this eye patch and made him stand out. And everybody knew him. He was uh, the Minister of Defense during the uh, 67 war. He was a hero to so many Jews. I, I would say he has a, a, a lot going for him in what he did for Israel militarily as a, as a human being. He was a horrible human being, a terrible human being. But um, he was recognizable around the world. And so he they took off his eye patch, they put on dark glasses, they dressed him up, they put on makeup. And he comes to Morocco. This is where all the secret meetings were taking place. In Morocco, under the auspices of King Hassan, who was the king of Morocco. You have to remember that not long before that, up until 1949, 1950, uh, Morocco was home to uh, hundreds and thousands of Jews who then went to Israel. But up until that point, the, the, the settlement of Jews in Morocco, the, the Rambam made a stop along the way to, to Egypt. He made a stop in Morocco. Jews have lived in Morocco for thousands of years. So there is a relationship between the Jewish community and the king of Morocco. There's a, 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 there's a claim that there was a lot of positive aspects to that relationship. And so he has no problem hosting this, um, this uh, secret meeting. And um, we'll, stop for, we'll stop for some music, but when we come back, we're going to read to you from the protocols of the uh, Mossad. Mossad agent accompanied Moshe Dayan to this meeting with uh, the uh, number two man to Sadat, Hassan Tuhami, which took place in Egypt before Sadat comes to Israel. The report is dated 18 October 1977. A month later, Sadat lands in Israel. So what happened at that meeting? We're going to tell you all about it. But first, we are going to debut for you brand new music from Yishai Rebo, Lashuv Habaita. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Brand new, Yishai Rebo, Lashuv Habaita. We'll post the link to uh, the clip on YouTube for that song so you can listen to it again and again and enjoy the beautiful music that is uh, Yishai Rebo's um, claim to fame. He, he writes the words, he writes the melodies, the music, and he, uh, and he sings. Excuse me. Even if even when we sin, who God, the one above, gives His hand out to help. And in His in His rachamim, in His love and His mercy, He gives us the koach, the strength, the energy, to fix ourselves and return to him. We're talking about um, 1977, a month before Sadat's arrival to Israel, where everybody thinks that Sadat is this huge hero, taking this huge risk of going to Israel. He did take a risk for one reason, because he he wasn't sure how the other Arabs would respond, and they did, in fact, um, really cut off all ties with Egypt. Most of the Arab world did. And it was very difficult. And then later he got murdered because of it. But as far as the negotiating with Israel and all that, most people think that Sadat came and he spoke to the Knesset and he said, we can make peace with you. We don't want to have war anymore. But you must give all the territories back. And by the way, he was talking at that time about all the territories. They were talking about a deal... Uh, all-encompassing deal, not just a deal about the Sinai. Interesting, as I'm holding the uh, transcript of this meeting between Moshe Dayan, this top-secret meeting between Moshe Dayan and Hassan Tuhami of Egypt before Sadat's arrival, 
this meeting was uh, documented entirely by the Mossad and was released recently. King of Morocco says to Dayan, listen, this is Hassan Tohami. He has Sadat's, um, Sadat trusts him implicitly and, and whatever you agree is uh, agreed to, Sadat will, uh, will take it um, as an understanding. <laughs> and then he says, you, we can't say a word to the United States. Remember, President Jimmy Carter is in power at that point. The administration of Jimmy Carter is in Washington. And, and, and he was trying to put together some international meeting, and both Israel and Egypt were against it. Some say that's the reason that Sadat wanted to come. So he says, we don't say anything to America until we have almost have an agreement, and then we go to America and we tell them, oh, by the way, this is all your idea. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. And in the initial uh, talks, Tohami says that after there's an, a basic understanding between Diana and Tohami about the um, arc of the, of the deal, what will be the... the basics of the deal, then Begin can come to Egypt and speak to Sadat. Um, now, Tohami says that Sadat will not shake Begin's hand until the Sinai has been given over back to Egypt. And the king of Morocco interrupts and he says, I disagree. The, the president of Egypt, Sadat, if he gets Begin's word that he will withdraw from the Sinai, he will meet with Begin and shake his hands and have public discussions with the state of Israel. He is ready to trust Menachem Begin's word. And so when they when they leave this meeting, this first meeting between Diana and Tommy, the question is, will Prime Minister Begin agree in principle that Israel will withdraw from the entire Sinai? And if he does, that will open the door to Sadat and Begin meeting. Now, Begin sa- um, Moshe Dayan says, I can't take this upon myself. I'm a representative of the Prime Minister directly. I don't represent the government. So I can't make decisions, but I think that Begin is very interested. I'll take the word back to him, and I'll let you know. And what ends up happening is that Begin, you know, these uh, history is always based on misunderstandings. So what exactly did they agree to if there's no official transcript and so forth? But it seems that, at least from the Egyptian side, their understanding was that Israel is giving its commitment to withdraw from the Sinai and, um, and other areas. At the time, they were talking about the Golan and, and so forth, they didn't make a commitment to that. But but it does seem that Menachem Begin and those who were part of the secret, the top echelons of the Israeli government, made some commitment that must have been somewhat like that because Sadat would not have come otherwise. 
In fact, the, the way the king of Morocco left it was true. If you give your word, if Menachem Begin, the, the Israeli side, gives your word, gives their word to the Egyptians, that'll be enough. And a month later, Anwar Sadat lands uh, in, in one of the most spectacular moments in our lifetime, Anwar Sadat lands in Israel. And we know what happened after that. So, those who glorify Sadat and say, look, he went, he risked everything and went there. Yes, he did risk a lot. There's no doubt about it, as we mentioned. But from his perspective, he had this in his pocket before going. The secret agreement that peop- no one in Israel knew about except the top echelon of the Begin government, he had in his pocket Menachem Begin's agreement to withdraw from the Sinai. A lot happened after that, but I think that's one of the most important points for people to know. It was only until the Israelis said, we are ready to withdraw and to give in, that the Arab side, a small part of the Arab side, not all of the Arabs, but an important part of the Arab side, was ready to come forward. And so both sides deserve the credit for what has happened. Uh, When we come back from this musical interlude, we will uh, share with you the sorrow of uh, the killing of a young Israeli soldier, Ron Kukia, who was buried um, yesterday, 19-year-old, young, beautiful young man who was uh, stabbed by what seems like Bedouin terrorists on, uh, I believe it was on Thursday night. Here is uh, Yonatan Razel from his album, Bein Hatzlilim. Bells Pogesh Tizmorit. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Yonatan Razel. Bells Pogesh Tizmoret. Bells meets an orchestra. Great, great uh, title for that song. So, uh, as we were saying, Israeli soldier, 19-year-old Ron, I think it's Kokei, Kokeya, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce his name, I'm sorry, was buried yesterday after he was uh, stabbed to death on Thursday night in the city of Arad in the Negev. We should remember him as we remember all the victims of terror and those who were killed in Israeli wars. Unfortunately, I don't know where everybody is, seriously. It's like nobody is talking about it. Nobody's discussing it. A young 19-year-old Jew whose life is in front of him was just stabbed by terrorists in, in, in Israel, in Israel within the quote-unquote green lines. And it's as if nothing happened. So we want to give a moment or two of remembrance here to this young man and uh, play for you about a minute and a half of things that his mother said at the funeral yesterday, obviously with a lot of sobbing and a lot of crying, and you can join along in the crying, which is very appropriate. She talks about how he always loved her hugs. He asked his mommy, so to speak, to hug him and how when she got to him now, she gave him a last hug and kiss, so to speak. She spoke about what a beautiful person he was, talented, kind, sensitive, and yet a strong young man serving in the army. She speaks about how now he is with God, walking on a rose-petaled floor up in Shamayim. Here is the uh, his mother speaking at the funeral yesterday. Feel free to take out the Kleenex. שנשקתי לך וחיבקתי שוב ושוב ניסיתי לחמם את גופך ורחנתי עליך עייפת עיניך עצומות כלואות שפתיך אדוקות ושותקות כי בדקות האחרונות כשרצית חיבוק ועוד אחד מאימא לא הצלחתי להחזיק בך לך לדרכך פני מלאכים יקבלו את פניך ושטיחי פרחים נפרסו לפניך לך לדרכך פני חבוק בזרועות אלוהיך תודה לעמלים במציאת המפגרים הארורים לתושבי ערד היקרים לחבריו היקרים מוריו ומחלכיו של רון שנגעו בו והנעימו את חייו בני, ילדי, גוזלי יהי 
She doesn't forget to thank his friends, to thank his teachers, to thank the forces of Israel that are looking for the uh, for the murderers. You now are on your way. Malachim yikabluet panecha. The angels of heaven will welcome you. And they'll roll out for you the carpets, the rose-petaled carpets. Go on your way as you're embraced, embraced by God. Eliyahu Neviyeh 
Ishai Rebo, that's a cover that he did as part of um, an album of covers. The name of the album is Hatishma Koli. It was put out by Galei Tzal. And um, it is um, a remake. And then a remake of an entire album. All the songs on the original album, each one is done by a different artist, um, a contemporary artist of Israel. This is a rather famous one, Efohem Kolavotenu, done by Yishai Rebo. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you so much for tuning in, making us a part of your week. Um, rumors and well-placed leaks in Washington and in Yerushalayim have it that President Trump will declare this week that Jerusalem is the capital of the state of Israel. That's something very interesting for us to keep our eye on. Why now? It would seem that the reason is because there is a deadline upcoming in which, yet again, the President of the United States has to recommend or actually recommend that the embassy of uh, the United States and Israel should not be moved to Yerushalayim for whatever reason. Security reasons and so forth. Every 90 days this needs to be done. And being that President Trump made all these promises throughout the elections, as did all the other presidents, but for whatever reason, because Trump is so out of the box, President Trump was believed. And a lot of supporters are upset that he's not coming through with his promise. And so it seems that this might be some sort of a compromise where the United States, the president at least, will make a statement and say that the United States recognizes that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. What's he not saying? One is, we're not going to move the embassy until, until there's a, a, a final agreement. Who, who knows when that's going to be? What it also doesn't say is... Which part of Jerusalem? Because if, as the nations of the world would have it, Israel will agree somehow, I don't think it will ever happen, but Israel will agree to divide Yerushalayim, one will not be able to say that all of Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. And so, as so many things in diplomacy are, it is left unclear, fuzzy math, you heard of fake news? <laughs> so these are fake uh, proclamations in a way. Does that mean it's not important? No, I think it is important. It's important that the United States make that declaration. You know that from day one, from 1947, the United States and the world never recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and the original proposal of the United Nations which was the basis of the founding of the State of Israel for the nations of the world, not for us, Jerusalem was to remain an international city. And so the United States never recognized that Israel has uh, any validity or sovereignty over the city of Yerushalayim. In fact, as we spoke right here on this radio show, we spoke about the lawsuit that took uh, 13 years that was brought by uh, an American citizen living in Israel, born in western part of Yerushalayim. And um, 
every American citizen born in Yerushalayim, in his passport, it doesn't say Jerusalem, Israel, unlike Americans born in Tel Aviv or in Haifa, where it says Haifa, Israel, Tel Aviv, Israel. It only says Jerusalem, and this Supreme Court ruled that that is up to the State Department to decide. And uh, that's the way it is. So it's a good thing. I think it's an appropriate Hanukkah gift if the U.S. recognizes Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, even with all the issues that we just mentioned. Because Hanukkah, of course, is the holiday that celebrates our return to Yerushalayim. Our rededication of the Bet HaMikdash during the times of the Hashmonaim. One of the few periods, or the only period actually, I should say, during the second Bet HaMikdash when there was Jewish sovereignty over the land of Israel and Yerushalayim. So it is an appropriate Hanukkah gift. And uh, we'll see what happens. This is supposed to be happening on Wednesday. I guess we'll see what happens with that. Going to end on a positive note with, uh, with a little story that Avishai ben Chaim posts about uh, Rav Amar. One of the sweetest stories he writes about Rav Amar um, is of a conversion that's taking place in Israel. And the conversion reaches its final stage and the convert is presented to a panel of rabbis including Rav Amar, to give their final okay. And at one point they gave her an apple and said to her, please make a bracha and have a bite from the apple. And the excited young woman said, Baruch atah Hashem elokeinu melech haolam, b'shem u'malchut, she used God's name and she made the wrong bracha. They all looked at her with a look of, oh my gosh. If you don't know this basic bracha, you failed the test, you know, go back to studying and come back in a few months. She understood rather quickly that she made a mistake. (gasps) And she was shaken. Oh my gosh, she says. I said Hashem's name in vain. I said a bracha levatala. Rav Amar, who is currently the chief rabbi of Yerushalayim, Svaric chief rabbi, he also said the test is over. There was nothing more to ask her. But he explained that while she was wrong about a simple question, her anguish, her shock, her clearly understanding how bad it was that she took God's name in vain, it's obvious how deep her Jewish feeling is, and therefore, no further questions are needed. Yehudiah, she is now a Jew. We're going to close out with uh, Yoni Genot and Lee Kratech. Before that, we say thank you for listening. Thanks to all your Facebook likes and comments. We'll be posting to Facebook with all the links to the music that we played today and other things later in the day. <clears throat> thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network. And as always, my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, Yoni Pollock with after further review, covering the latest in the world of sports. And then a great Monday music marathon continuing throughout the day. Stay tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network. Until next Monday, immediately following Jamie and the Aim, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. Oh no, they're just running in a different race. <laughs> Mets-a-t-il,
listening to the israel show with mayor weingarten coming up next after further review with yoni pollock right here at the nahum siegel network